Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers, and I'm continuing my verse-by-verse study through this uh, tremendous prophetic book of the Bible called the Book of Revelation. I want to read the context today because I want to get right into this. It's a very complicated chapter, as uh, any of you who have read this understand. Uh, much more complicated than even chapter 17. So the context for today is Revelation chapter 18, and I will begin with verse 4 and maybe even make it through verse 8. I don't know. Time will, will tell. So the reading of God's Word, I will begin in Revelation 18 verse 4, and the Word of God reads like this. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins and that you may not receive of her plagues. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back even as she has paid, and give back to her double according to her deeds. And the cup which she has mixed, mixed twice as much for her. To the degree that she glorified herself and lived sensuously, to the same degree give her torment and mourning. For she says in her heart, I sit as a queen, and I am not a widow, and will never see mourning. Wow, it's a tremendous passage. It's uh, When you begin to really understand what this passage is, it's a, it's a chilling uh, words that are coming. And remember now, it's the voice of an angel saying this. This is the pronouncement of judgment that we began looking at last week in the book of Revelation, chapter 18. We looked at verses 1 and 2. But what is described here in chapter 18 is, a, is a, the commercial system or the economic system, world system, overseen and managed and operated in the power of Satan by the Antichrist. It is described, I think, as most clearly as I can see it uh, for us in this chapter, but the focus of the chapter is not on that. It mentions it, but the focus on the chapter is on judgment. Uh, it's devastation and destruction, and we'll, we'll see all of that. This, then, is the last chapter in the book of the Revelation before the return of Christ to set up his kingdom, which will obviously begin in chapter 19. And so here we're getting a glimpse of the final form of the world government under the Antichrist that exists in the time of tribulation right up to the very point of Christ returning. It is the judgment, as one writer puts it, of the last of man's rule. So as we, we look at this, uh, it's, it's so confusing, I think. And I'm going to try to shed a little light by going back into the Old Testament to look at something that I think is very relevant for us. I've told you several times that the Bible predicted in the Old Testament there would be a complete and final destruction of Babylon that we've never seen which would mean Babylon would have to come back in order for those prophecies to be fulfilled. And so we're going to go back to some of these passages. Zechariah is a passage. Isaiah is also a package. Jeremiah is a package. Uh, but I'm not going to be able to get to all of those. But I do want to bring up one thing that is found in Zechariah chapter 5, verses 5 through 11. You can read this sometime on your own. And, and, and surmise from this what you can see as it compares to the book of Revelation. I think you'll find it very interesting. But here's the way it reads in Zechariah chapter 5, beginning in verse 5 through 11. Uh, then the angel who was speaking with me went out and said to me, Lift up now your eyes and see what is going forth. It sounds a lot like what John sees in the book of Revelation chapter 18. 
John sees the vision of Babylon. Zechariah, his vision that he is about to have was also called uh, to look at the vision by an angel. They're seeing the same thing. And as I said, uh, uh, what is it? And he said, the epith going forth, and he again said, this is the appearance of, in all the land, and behold, a lead cover was lifted up, and there is this is a woman sitting inside the epith. Then he said, this is wickedness. And he threw her down. I'm reading again from Zechariah chapter 5. I know it's easy to get lost on this, especially if you're listening to a message uh, and you're not trying to follow along. It can be confusing. But here in Zechariah chapter 5, he says this, And he threw her down in the middle of the epith and cast the lead weight on its opening, and then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and there two women were coming out with the wind in their wings, and they had wings like the wings of a stork. And they lifted up the epith between the earth and heavens. And as I said to the angel who was speaking with me, where are they taking the epith? And he said to me, to build a temple for her in the land of Shinar, which is prepared. She will be set there on her own pedestal. And so this can be very confusing, and I want to try to shed some light on this. I know several writers have done this. Perhaps you read that John Walver talks about this. Uh, he was used to, when I was there, I sat under John Walver uh, as far as, uh, the, the, actually he was teaching through Oil in the Middle East Crisis, which was another book that he had using the book of Revelation. And I've always considered myself blessed to be able to sit under him. And I also sat under uh, uh, several other people that were uh, prophecy writers like Charles Ryrie who wrote of, of the same thing. So, And then I know that uh, John MacArthur picks up on this and talks about this. So it's a very important section, this in Zechariah. And I can imagine we, we, we just have to have some kind of an insight to understand it. But it goes back to the days when Babylon had captured uh, the southern kingdom. Uh, Jews had returned from that captivity, and they had been there uh, a period of, of seven years, and we can find out about this in Daniel and Jeremiah if we were to go back and look at that. Though some of them, it was much longer than that. They've been in captivity in Babylon since uh, uh, since then, conquered uh, since Babylon had conquered Jerusalem in the land of Judah. And so it, 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 it dates back to then, and I'm going to explain what dates back to then, but it comes back to Babylon. They come back, and there's sort of a renewal in the hearts and of, of the people. And what I mean by that is when they restored, were restored to the land, they gave up their pagan idolatry, uh, pretty much. They pretty much gave it up. It was really pagan idolatry. They had brought them into the captivity, and I think the primary iniquity for which they had been indicted and which led to their captivity was that they were engaging in relationships with pagan gods and had forsaken the one true God. We've seen that over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And while in their Babylonian captivity, even though they were given up some of the pagan ways that they went into captivity with, while in captivity, uh, they came back having given that up, but they had picked up the ways of the Babylonians or the Babylonian Empire. Although there are different kinds of idols, they never embraced pagan idolatry since the captivity. Now, unless we think, uh, really, that they came back spiritual, it's far from the truth. They did not. When they came back uh, from Babylon, they embraced the Babylonian uh, ways. And, 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 and there, it is seen as materialism, uh, a, a, a severe grip on them in the material and the gains and the profits world. 
They had been engulfed in a pagan country that was highly materialistic. Uh, as one writer puts it, they had grown to acquire greed and the longing and the lusting for grain. I mean, for gain. Excuse me, I can't read my writing. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's what was they were involved in. They were more involved in materialism than they were the actual worship of the pagan gods. Even though they don't see this as a bigger problem, but this has a grip on them. It is by way of sin, which the prophet Malachi also rebukes, and he defines it as robbing God in chapter 3 of his prophecy. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about. So Zechariah sees in this vision the spirit of self-centered materialism, which, by the way, you must remember, uh, if, we could, if we could recall some of the history of Israel, that it was foreign to Israel when they were just a shepherd people. They, when they were not involved in the self-centered materialistic ways of Babylon. But they had acquired that now because they were in captivity. They had, had acquired this materialistic mentality while in captivity. In fact, the spell of Babylon had taken them over, and it was almost a complete takeover. So it will be in the last days. So I think these prophecies that look at that materialistic, uh, almost a takeover uh, that had embraced them, that came from the Babylonian uh, culture, uh, it, it can be seen in, in this last chapter, uh, chapter 19, before the return of Christ. This is what we're talking about. This is, uh, when you take a chapter like a, a prophecy chapter like chapter 18 of Revelation, the book of Revelation, there's always a bigger picture. You can always go back to the Old Testament and find out what is part of the bigger picture that is happening here. So much of this we could not understand if we do not, if we do not understand the Old Testament. And that's why I'm going back to there. So the general rendering here is that the details uh, are such that the, like an epith, when it says the epith, it was basically a container. In fact, it would be uh, about eight-gallon container. That's a lot. I just went to uh, uh, Home Depot the other day and bought several uh, five-gallon containers, buckets. And uh, these are eight-gallon baskets, pretty much. It's, it's like a big basket, a big container, used to carry barley or flour, and in fact was large enough for a small person to fit in. And the depiction here is of a large basket, an epith, loaded with the sins of Israel. And the epith is filled up to the brim. The sinners of Israel are seen like pieces of grain collected in this large basket. This is what Zechariah sees until the basket is heaping full. And of course, the basket and the grain was a major part of commerce and business. And so the commercial aspect comes into play as well. So here, then, is this new kind of sin that Israel has picked up from Babylon, which has influenced them and continues to influence them today as we're speaking here, and it will even do so more during the tribulation period. It will influence them and the world around us until the coming of the Messiah. And then down in verse 8, it is depicted as wickedness. In fact, the Septuagint, it symbolizes it as wickedness. And verse 8, I'm talking about in Zechariah chapter 5. So, their iniquity is piled high. This is an accumulated iniquity. Here the prophet sees the godless, rich sinners of the last days. This is what he's looking at. So many prophecies have a, a twofold fulfillment. They have a, a, a near when they were spoken, 
uh, in, in the Old Testament, and then a far away, which is the end days, which is what we're seeing in Revelation chapter 18. So the prophet Zechariah looking forward to a future time when uh, a, a godless commercialism and a love for money and the love of possessions, pure secular materialism, will find its final and consummate form. And I believe even uh, that he's, I believe he even sees it in perhaps its clearest context uh, for us in this chapter, Revelation chapter 18. Because if you look at verse 11, you see the land of Shinar, that's another name for Babylon, the land of Shinar, just another one of the names of Babylon is listed in Zechariah. Listen to Zechariah verse 7. In other words, this thing is going to extend across the world. The picture of the accumulated a bushel basket full of iniquity is worldwide. And it says in verse 7 that it has a lead cover on it. It simply means a lid. And the cover was lifted up just so briefly in order to reveal a woman sitting inside. Now, uh, many people talk about the, the woman sitting inside and the fact that evil is always seems to be represented in the scripture, symbolically in scriptures, for religious evil. Uh, we hate to admit that, but nevertheless, it may it is very well the case. It may take us back to the fact that as uh, it was a woman, Eve, who led the human race into iniquity, and it's, uh, it, it may also encompass the reality and mark this one that God has designed, and we know this, leadership uh, in the hands of men. So Satan is ever so constant with his... Uh, trying to reverse that and put the women in the leadership and the men as followers. That, that's, that's another sermon for another day. I won't, I won't cloud this issue with that one. But here you have then a collective symbol of sin. You have the bushel basket filled with sinners who are engaged in commercial evil. And then you have this uh, woman sitting in their midst. Now, Zechariah chapter 5, the picture goes on to set... Another image, and it's found in verse 9. It says, I lifted up my eyes and looked. There were two women, again, were coming out of the, with the wind in their wings. They had wings like the wings of a stork, which, by the way, is an unclean animal, according to the Old Testament. They lifted up the epith between the earth and the heavens. Now, what is this? Uh, it's just, we have to go only so far, and we have to stop and talk about it. But what is this? It's it's no doubt a description of demons. Two, again, women who come out with the wind in their wings, lift up the epith from the earth in heavens. So, and so then says the prophet, where are they taking this? And he says, to the land of Shinar, which is Babylon. And this is a look at it being carried through the ages into the latter days. Demons then become involved in taking this evil system putting it in the land of Babylon, setting it on a throne so that it can function. Let me, let me just stop right here. I don't really know where Babylon is. I mean, I know there is a new city uh, being built where the old was. It is called Babylon, and it is the restored, rebuilt Babylon. It's not to fully function yet. It's not the major world commerce yet. They say it's headed that way. Will it be that way in the tribulation period? I assume so, but I cannot be for sure. We don't really know what the Antichrist is going to do. He may take that name Babylon and actually use it for another area 
that would fit the descriptions that we've seen. I don't know how he could do that, seeing as that Babylon the city fits the description of the early Babylon in the Old Testament with the four rivers around it. So I don't know how he could do that, but we just don't know. We cannot say definitively what that actually is, but we know it is a city, as it says in 18 and as it says in chapter 17. But demons set up this final Babylon system. Uh, uh, the demons will be engaged in the final setup of the final world kingdom before the return of Christ. They are women because they are in association with the woman inside the epith who is wickedness. So the prophet literally sees demons setting up the final uh, commercial economic world system in the land of Babylon, a system of materialism. That's interesting, uh, especially when you think and, and see the tribulation period as being so destructive. Uh, there's so much going on. It's amazing, as I know, I know John MacArthur talks about this, that it's amazing that anything could flourish at all. Any system of any kind flourish in any way with the destruction of this, just the bowl or the, the uh, judgments by God, the 21 different judgments that anything could survive, along with the natural uh, things, results of these. Because, you know, the Bible doesn't give us every single event of the tribulation period. It does give us the 21 judgments. But those have effects. They will affect the weather. They will affect cultures. They will affect power grids. They will affect all kinds of things that are going to be problems. But we know it's, it's going to affect the human population. It's going to be shrinking. The, uh, the famine is going to take over. Uh, murder is going to take over. Crime is going to be at an all-time high. There's so many things that are, are contingent upon the flourishing of any uh, system, such as economic growth or or com commerce. They're going to depend on the sea and the land and the air for all this, and all that is going to be affected by the judgment. So it, it's been interesting for me to even read this. Now, it's predicted this is going to happen in Revelation chapter 14, verse 8, when it says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made all the nations drink of the wine of the passion of her immorality. Now we learn that the whole world is involved with the Babylonian system. And it's in two parts. There's the religious part we saw in chapter 17. And now there's the commercial part or the materialistic part found in 18. So, with that in mind, that's a lot of background, and I still am going to have to hit probably some more background, and I hope that hasn't uh, deterred you from listening further. But I want you to look at verse 4 as we get into this, and I want you to see the plea that comes first. Uh, let me read verse 4 in Revelation chapter 18 once more. And I heard another voice from heaven, another of the same kind of voice as John has already heard. This is not Jesus. This is an angel speaking. And here is what the voice says. Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins and that you may not receive of her plagues. There's two reasons why he's calling them out. And those two reasons are very clear. Come out of her that you may not participate in her sin is one thing. But then you will not be a recipient of what she is going to receive of her plagues. The punishment, in other words. And so that is the plea. Come out of her, my people. And God is calling to his own to, uh, I like the way uh, 
Uh, one writer puts this, to disentangle themselves with the system. And, you know, we don't realize, I, I think even Americans are probably probably some of the worst in the world. I don't know. I can't say that definitively. But I think it's easy to be wrapped up or entangled with materialism uh, at, at a point where it can be blinding for us. We don't think we're materialistic when, in fact, we are super materialistic. We may not even see it as that. And here is uh, God calling out his people who have perhaps tangled themselves in this. Now, who would these people be? Well, they would be either people that are going to be saved or they're people who are already saved, living under the influence of Babylon, the city, and the system. Remember now, all through the time of judgment, God is saving people. God is saving an innumerable host of people from every tongue and tribe and people. We've seen that in chapter 7. We've seen it several times in Revelation. God is saving Israel. Jews are certainly turning to Christ. 144,000 have been saved, and they're sealed, and, and they're preaching. Remember, they're still in the background preaching the gospel. And then we saw the angel flying across mid-heaven preaching the gospel. And the preaching of that gospel, there may be the greatest harvest of souls the world's ever known. Many of them will be martyred for their faith. Uh, many will refuse the mark of the beast and pay with their lives. Uh, so there is a lot that is going on here that you don't actually see when you just read these verses, but we've read in other places, and they're still continuing during this time of the Great Tribulation. Some of them will obviously survive, and the temptation for the survivors may be to get caught up in a place that seems to be flourishing. Perhaps there is a hope there that while things are getting back to normal or, or things are, seem to be as normal as they can be at this time, it's just so hard for me to see past the dis destruction and the devastation. But perhaps they have become entangled with this and they are there because of the hope they see and the security they feel when there is money or the commerce uh, or the economic system seems to be a hopeful. Family and friends may apply pressure. There's a, there may be also an evangelistic call here for God's people uh, can genuinely be called to God uh, because of uh, salvation that will be theirs. It's not theirs yet. But it may well be that he is saying to those who have set apart from eternity past, come to faith in the Savior. Uh, we don't know what all this is involved here, but the point is get out before it falls. That's the whole point of verse 4. Get out of there. It's a warning. And you know, I, I was thinking last night as I was laying in bed just thinking about this passage, as I do many times the verses, how do they hear this? How are there the people going to hear this? Are, are there, is there going to be the, the broadcast of some of the 144,000 there? Are there going to be other Jews that are going to be there, and they're just preaching in the cities, standing on the street corners. I wonder how they're going to hear it. Or could it even be an angel flying in mid-heaven pronouncing it? Even though we're not told of one, maybe it is. I don't know. But some way they hear very clearly, come out of her, my people. Get out before you get caught in the flurry. Get out before you get caught in the wrath that's going to fall on that place. Now, what would you do? Well, if you're a, a believer and you're hearing that, I would imagine you're going to know that's from God. I think you're going to get out. Now, 
It reminds me again of the Ukraine war right now, people trying to get out of there and flee the war. This won't be like that. This will be different. This will be people totally oblivious to people leaving, obviously, but people are going to be leaving. Now, I do not know because I do know that the system set up by the Antichrist is going to, and the false prophet are going to demand worship and and it's going to demand people uh, loyalty and, and worship in such a way as that they have to bow and to worship to receive the mark of the beast or they can't buy or sell. So I don't know how that's going to play in. But boy, you can see how how this could get, really get to be tricky. But the point is, get out. Just get out of there. By the way, the prophets of old had said the same thing to people leaving Babylon before the first one. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 20. Listen to what it said there. And just remind you of, of this in Revelation chapter 18. Go forth from Babylon, said Isaiah. Get out of there. The judgment of God is going to fall. Now, I think if, if I heard that, man, I would leave. In, in Jeremiah chapter 15, 51, which deals with Babylon. Listen to what Jeremiah says uh, somewhere. I think it's in 50 or 51, early in the chapter Wander away from the midst of Babylon and go forth. Get out of the land of the Chaldeans in verse 8. Over in chapter, uh, uh, again, a little bit further in 51 of, uh, uh, of Jeremiah chapter 51. Flee from the midst of Babylon, it says. Each of you save his life. And I believe that looks then, and I think it's a look into the future of what is going to happen in the tribulation period. Do not be destroyed in her punishment would be what the cry is. For this is the Lord's time of vengeance. He's going to reckon recompense to her. Babylon has been the golden cup in the hand of the Lord, intoxicating all of the earth. So, her day is coming. Suddenly Babylon has fallen, and been broken, a wail over her. This is all in, in the previous verses in, in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Uh, chapter 51 of Jeremiah again, Come forth from her midst, my people. Each of you save yourselves from the fierce anger of the Lord. You can see how this vision of chapter 18 in Revelation so compares to that. And then back in chapter uh, verse 4, uh, Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins, uh, is, is what is found in Revelation chapter 18. Come out of her, my people, that you may not participate in her sins. That's the first thing. Get out of there so you're not caught up in the iniquity. But secondly, don't get caught up in the plagues that are going to come when God brings the final judgment. Man, get out now while there is chance. You know, I would hope to think that I wouldn't be there, first of all. But I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like during the tribulation. I don't know how hard it is. Maybe there's a lot more food there. Maybe there's good drinking water there. Uh, remember, the waters have been polluted, and the world is experiencing an unbelievable famine uh, that is happening. And I imagine food is scarce and water is scarce. Well, maybe there's a lot there, and there's a lot of the Christians or believers who have migrated there, and they've become now in being entangled in this system. I would think that it's just it would just be that. Uh, but boy, the judgments that are there are going to be coming. It's enough to think how in the world. But God's always warned his people. Sodom and Gomorrah and other cities. Uh, Numbers also, chapter 16, where you have the destruction of Dathan. And uh, of course, the devastation that God brings there and warns the people to stay aside from the judgment. 
Matthew chapter 24, even in the New Testament. You remember Matthew chapter 24? The message is second coming. I think it's in verse 16. He says about the abomination of desolation that will happen in the middle. He says, when you see this, what? Flee. Flee to the mountains. Get out of there. Do not stick around. Second Corinthians, you have the same principle. Uh, do not be bound together with unbelievers. What partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Come out from their midst. That's our warning today. Uh, but I don't think we listen to it much. There's many, many do not listen to it. But we're to be separated from that, especially in the area of materialism. You have it in 1 John. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If you have it, uh, you have it, uh, with Noah and the people were brought to a civilization to be destroyed. You have it in the warnings that were preached to Nineveh. It's all, God always warns his people. Don't be seduced by the world. Don't be seduced by its iniquity in any age. Flee while you can. Now, isn't it just a, a sign and a picture of the grace of God to even warn? I mean, think how much warning, think how much preaching. You, you, just look at the tribulation period, that seven-year period. You have the two witnesses. You have 144,000 witnesses. You have uh, people being saved constantly that are witnessing. You have the, the witness itself of the truth living in the lives of these people. So much, so many people are being saved. I would imagine there's testimony times in many homes. I don't think the churches are going to be full. I think houses and places in hiding will be full but not houses. I mean, not uh, places of worship. You won't see massive edifices set up or, or coliseums or stadiums where people are, are there filling them. I don't think that's going to happen. So don't be just seduced by the world. Don't be seduced by its iniquity in any age, in every age, particularly in the last age. Verse 5, for her sins have piled up as high as heaven. And so here we see the penalty you see, number one on the outline, the plea, come out of her. But number two is the penalty, verses six through eight. And I know I'm not going to be able to get into this, so I, I don't think I'm going to touch, actually, verses six through eight, except to say this. Look at verse five. For her sins have piled up as high as heaven, and God had remembered her iniquities. Now, uh, of his own, God's people, we know Jeremiah 31, 34, I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. But for the unchanging, uh, unrepentant Babylon, no forgiveness, only judgment. So get out. And that is, uh, that's, that's where I, I think I will end it today because I really can't get much into this uh, as far as verses 6 through 8. So I will, uh, I will stop there. But uh, once again, this is William Rogers. Uh, preaching out of the book of Revelation, verse-by-verse uh, verse study, and I am enjoying this immensely. I hope you'll stick with me. Uh, this has been chapter 18, verses 4 through, actually, just verse 5. Uh, I haven't even gotten into 6. So we'll look at this again next time, and uh, again, thank you so much for joining me.